Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Good morning, folks. Chad Adams here, your guest host, sitting in for Vince Coakley. He's going to be off today. But I'm sure he'll be back bright and early Monday. Uh, appreciate you joining us here on News Talk 1110-993-WBT. If you want to get in on the conversation, give us a call at 704-570-1110. That's 570-1110. You know, I, I have done a lot of pondering over the past few weeks. It, it's, been a, it's always a pleasure to be a part of this. Um, uh, part of this broadcast. It, it always is on every show, whether it's with Coakley or our Winter Bull or, or Callender, fantastic folks. And uh, they 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 make a difference. Talk radio makes uh, a difference. And when I look out at the political landscape, and this is kind of where I want to start the show today, it is that I think Americans – it's so funny because as I was prepping today, and I'd written, I'd written a lot about what I wanted to say, but the same thing, you know, when I'm doing research, I stumbled across an article that at the time I saw it, and I didn't preview, preview it, that it actually, when I went back and looked at it, it captures some of what I wanted to say. It's very timely. And that is that you, me, they, men and women – and I will use that term directly because it's apropos. We're tired of the status quo. We're tired of repackaged products that are put before us as an option. It, it, it's almost like if you went to go get a salad at the supermarket and they were all wilted and, and, and they put them in new packages and it was still wilted, you would be tired of it. Uh, and, and I would say that, and this is more of a pandemic, for lack of a better phrase, for the Democrats than many of the folks in GOP politics. But although a great deal of the GOP, and I'll tell you what inspired this. I was, I was at a uh, precinct meeting over the weekend for, in, in the county in which I live. And, and, you know, a lot of people are interested in the elections that are coming up, big primary for the North Carolina or Republicans. I was there to, more to witness than anything else. Not as active, wasn't there to be an activist or anything, just wanted to kind of witness. And as I'm there, and, and they, they have the candidates get up and give speeches. And what struck me was someone that's actually younger than me that got up and gave a speech about why to reelect him as a commissioner. And it wasn't. Now, this is a Republican gathering, so you would think there would be some conservative ideology thrown out to folks that are looking, desperately looking for that. But no, it wasn't about cutting taxes. It, it wasn't about, because in fact, taxes have gone up a little bit uh, it, it, while he's an incumbent. It wasn't about preserving property rights because those have actually been eroded as he's been in office. It, it wasn't about protecting freedoms. It wasn't about... Uh, making government smaller because it's grown substantially since he's been in office in, in, in his home county. It wasn't about the things that resonate with us. It, it was a speech about the fact that he had been taken to a Republican meeting when he was four by his father and how his father was Republican and thus he's a Republican. And, 
And it was this homage to his father. Nothing wrong with with you know loving your parents and grandparents or whatever, but that that just being a Republican was what made him a great Republican, I guess. Not one, not one statement about the issues confronting us today. Nothing. It, it was, it was, it was to me kind of emblematic of what we see today. It's a lot of discussion. It's a lot of going back and forth, uh, and and a lot of postuling. Um, and. <sighs> It's very frustrating because there's so much at stake. And then I go, so then I go from that, and, and, and I spent a couple of, had been out in the wilderness for a couple of days, just taking some time. And, and I was reflecting back on reading Governor Cooper's tweets, right? You go, because that's how we communicate. We communicate in little short sentences. It's kind of primitive, isn't it? We've, we've, we've kind of gone back in time to where I guess like cavemen would tweet in, in, in grunts and stuff. You'd, Social media is is the modern form of primitive communication. It's very short. It's uh, abrupt. People don't like to read books like they did. Uh, people don't like to communicate with essays like they did. And, and, and one, but they do like 164 characters or thereabouts. And um, it's rather remarkable. So I'm following uh, Governor Cooper and Josh Stein, the aspiring governor and the former aspiring governor, now governor. And and I read through this, and it's extremely frustrating because it's the same regurgitated, poll tested. It's like you don't need a person in those roles to say those things. You absolutely don't. You 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 sit there and 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 can and read them and all all you know is that whatever they're saying has been poll tested. Whatever they're saying is checking a box. There is zero passion from our current governor, zero passion from our current aspiring governor. And I think that's why there of the three candidates running on the Republican side that, you know, and two of them break out of that mold. Bill Graham is more the traditional guy. He's going to throw some red meat out there, but it's very traditional talk. And then you have Dale Falwell and Mark Robinson who speak outside those boxes. And I think that's what Galvin, Mark Robinson can galvanize a crowd irrespective of his past. It's what he's saying that makes people gravitate. They, they feel it. And it's been a long time since we feel. And I give you a vivid example. And I kind of, I'm going through. I've got to go back to my notes because I've gone off, off my script a little bit. And so you hear, in traditional politics, you have to kiss the ring. You have to know your place. You have to play the game. You have to stay in line. You have to navigate the halls of of the primary. You have to navigate this this. And and you end up becoming just a a, a repurposed version of what came before you. You start speaking. In certain lines, you start saying things a certain way. Nikki Haley personifies this. When you hear her speak, it's this very establishment way of looking at things. And I'm not castigating her for that. It's the way she went through the system. Josh Stein does it. Uh, Mitch McConnell. When you see Mitch McConnell speaking, there's no passion with Mitch McConnell. There's no, there's no, you don't feel the kind of stuff from the heart. One of the most one of the one of the most vivid moments where I saw someone break outside of this was Ronald Reagan's speech outside when, before the wall came down in East Berlin. And he, sta- and he went completely off script. I don't know the details. I read them one time, but I've forgotten them. But the details of that were that he went off script. The line, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall, was not scripted. It was, it was heartfelt. It was sincere. And it captured, and it, the, it captured the entire issue in four words. Tear down this wall. It was... It was amazing. We'll talk more about this on the other side of the break. 
kind of a chill morning. Chad Adams in for Vince Coakley here on this magnificent station. I appreciate having you along for the ride. And, and we've been discussing, and I think this where I'm going with this is where a lot of you are. I, I really believe this in my heart. I, as I'm reading this, do we like Mr. or Mrs. Smith going to Washington? That's what the article, I'll get to that. But I, I first want to get through this because I think there's a preface for it. Um, so having said that, when when Reagan went through the tear down this wall speech, it it really did capture things that, that I think we were all feeling again. Uh, you know, we're we're missing that that passion. We were missing the connection uh, that we all felt in our hearts. Okay, I'm going to keep going here. A little distraction there. Now, when Trump came along, I'm going to try to make this distinction because I think Trump steps into that same role that many of us desperately, desperately want. He speaks. So when you look at traditional Democrats, traditional Republicans, and then you look at a Donald Trump, Donald Trump didn't run for president the first time as a Republican or a Democrat. He ran as a third party. And people forget that. It's very inconvenient. So he joins a party because you almost have to get a Republican nomination or Democrat nomination to win the party. You have to. Ever since, like, I think 1880 or something like that was the last time someone someone outside uh, was able to, to win. Having said that, you know, when I look at Cooper and I look at Josh Stein, there isn't a difference. You, the, the personalities of the individual, the passion of those individuals, nothing. Cooper hung his entire political career on Medicaid expansion. That's what he wanted. He didn't care about anything else but Medicaid expansion. He didn't care to negotiate with Republicans, doesn't like them. But there was So he has decent poll numbers. And so people think, well, if I have decent poll numbers, that's all I need. They don't need to like me or care about me. And his favorabilities are pretty decent. But that doesn't mean people connect to him. They don't feel the passion to be great North Carolinians. They aren't driven to new heights and new excitement, entrepreneurial endeavors. They don't, they're driven to be great. There's nothing about Josh Stein or, or our governor right now that makes you want to be great. In fact, in, in general, they're kind of anti-capitalist. They're very much liberal lefties that say comforting things. You have to wonder if you were, and this is going to be a brutal, brutal question I'm getting ready to ask, because I often like to discuss good and evil because there is good and there is evil. And I think many times the Democrats kind of gloss over that because they, they have context. They want to make things that would otherwise look kind of evil. They want to make it contextual. Abortion's a really good example of that. There's no way that Josh Stein and, and Governor Cooper would want to attend the removal of a five-month-old baby forcefully in an abortion event. They, they wouldn't want it. It's a horrible thing for me to say. It's very vivid and descriptive and horrific. They wouldn't want to be in that room, would they? You would, they wouldn't say publicly, this is good. This is something we desire. This is something we want more women to be able to do. More. We want this to become more popular, more, uh, something that makes North Carolina great is doing this. They would never say that. They speak in context. It's about reproductive freedom. There's no passion with that. Now, the activists get very passionate about given issues, whether it's gun control, whether it's abortion, whether it's you know the border. There's a lot of passion there. But you, don't, you rarely see the passion from the candidates unless it's screaming about the other candidate's position. They, they don't get real passionate about the things they want. So when you see a lot of Democrats and Republicans speak, you hear exactly kind of this, 
this measured words, scripted responses, repeated poll-tested lines, and even the intonation in the way they speak. If you look at the way Nikki Haley speaks, and I'm not being mean or disrespectful to Nikki Haley, but the way she speaks is exactly what you hear from most politicians. It's very measured. It's very poll-tested. They'll find a line, and they'll use that line over and over and over, and that's what they do. And, and Cooper does it. Most Democrats do it. A lot of Republicans do it. Dale Falwell, Mark Robinson don't. Um, the truth is, here's the, here's the ultimate truth, is that we, the American public, we need more modern revolutionaries. We need to challenge the status quo. We need more courage in office holders. We need more vision. We need new ideas. We need people that don't come from that world. I'm not putting down the people that are there, but they all need to be challenged. We need to see, we're not going to see, it's too late for this speech to have any difference, but we need more primaries. We need more people stepping up. We need more people that come from normal America to be a part of fixing the problem. I'm just looking just for fun. Not for fun, because it's really disheartening. The U.S. national debt, and which is not a sexy topic, by the way. No one thinks the national debt sexy. They don't even, it's, it's kind of, but there's a great place, U.S., if you go to usdebtclock.org, any of you can do this. And, 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 and nobody from either party will tell you it's wrong. It's a calculation. It's updated by the second. The U.S. national debt is at $34 trillion. That's $102,000 per citizen, but, but all citizens aren't taxpayers, right? So it's $266,000 per taxpayer in the U.S. right now. It, those are unbelievable numbers. The, the, the U.S. total interest paid, $4 trillion. Total debt for the U.S., not now, but the total debt of the unfunded debt. Under, I'm sorry, unfunded. Is it 97 Let's see, there's millions. It's, yeah, $97 trillion. It's, it's an unfathomable number. It, it's an unfathomable number. The f- federal budget deficit, $1.7 trillion. We can remember when it was measured in billions, can't you? So both teams have failed us. Both teams have taken the checkbook that, that you and I pay for, and they've overdrafted it by $34 trillion and counting. So when these people talk about funding Ukraine and, and the Texas border, these seem to be juxtaposed because former the, the former and current president, both at the border, one shows up and they point in a direction, tell him to say something that he reads and he walks away. The other actually has some passion about it. And I'll get back to Trump in a minute on this. But when you look look at the these numbers, they're, they're unfathomably large number, but they've taken our money and they've overspent it by $34 trillion, both parties. And so when they want it, when they're talking about $60 billion for Ukraine, that's borrowed money. There's no money to fund that. It's borrowed money. They haven't secured our border, and they want to fund a foreign war. They, they want to defend Ukraine's border, don't want to defend our border. And, and I sound passionate about this because I am. But it's worse than that. It's not that I don't want, to, don't want to stop the Russians. It's that I want accountability for stopping the Russians. Where did the money go? We don't really know. The first $187 billion, we're not entirely sure. There's no accountability. Also, what did it accomplish? Did it just slow the Russians down? Where's the measure? Where are the metrics that you measure success? This is like Vietnam, hilltop diplomacy. Somebody in Washington picks a place, we bomb that, and we say, oh, success. And we, we don't have success. 
What's the outcome? Are you shooting for victory? What does the plan for victory look like? I'm not saying we should know, but at least the the Pentagon and other people should be able to say, yes, the Ukrainians have a plan for victory, and here's what it's going to take to win that. It's not what we hear. What we hear, Tillis, Senator Tillis, who called into the show not too long ago, and and spoke to me when I when I was on calendar show, and he was he had he just wants to fund it. And those are the kind of things that just should irritate the crap out of people. We should be tired of our politicians feeding us swill. It, we we should be frustrated. We should be. It should next time someone stands up and gives you a line at a speech, say. Tell me how you feel. Show me something you're passionate about. Show me a little bit of passion. You care about this country, that you care about your county, that you care about the town that you represent. Do you give a flip? Or are you just trying to get elected again because you like the creature comforts of office? Maybe you need another rubber chicken dinner. Yeah, you need another fancy dinner. Wear your suit and tie. Vote on a tax rate. Vote on funding something. Because politicians love to tell you they funded stuff. They didn't fund anything. You did. You and I did. And it gets irritating when these people do that. You want to get in on this conversation at 704-570-1110, 704-570-1110. I will get to the Mr. and Mrs. Smith um, situation. And I'll finish it up in this way. What we're doing isn't working. It isn't. Debt DC is broken. It wokeness is lacking. The left doesn't really believe much of what they say. When you hear them, do you really believe that they believe this? They're either profoundly undereducated or profoundly ignorant. Most of what they say is when I hear Jamie Rask and the rest of them, they're just, it's lines to give to a base to keep them in office. It's swill. But uh, we will get to the other side of the break. Much more discuss. I'll get to the, the, the nice formal Mr. and Mrs. Smith thing. Much more to go. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And we're off. The second half of the first hour underway. Chad Adams, your guest host in for Vince Coakley here at News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. If you'd like to get into the conversation, it's pretty easy to do so. You got stuff on your mind? It's 704-570-1110. And uh, uh, Ray, you have been on hold for a couple seconds here. And Ray, welcome. How the heck are you today? Hello, Chad. Howdy. Uh, Are you there? I am. I'm right here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I thought I lost you, but uh, okay. what I was want, wanting to say is, talking about the part for the course politicians that I think you've been talking about, I think Donald Trump is one of the few, if not the only one, that can straighten these things out in this world, well, our country. But I've heard Vince talk about how he might have electability problems you know, with his personality and his kind of rough-around-the-edges approach on things. and But I would like to say that I think that the people that would let that get in the way of them voting for it, for him, are kind of selfish because they're putting their own... Um, bite their nose off to spite their face type of approach ahead of what's good for the country. And-
and that's basically my comment. I think people should look at themselves as much as they look at Donald Trump. Well, Ray, I appreciate the call, man, because you kind of are heading, or you you led where I'm going. I know this wasn't coordinated. Ray didn't know I was heading in that direction, but that that is exactly what I'm getting ready to discuss. Uh, and um, this is my way of looking at it, and I'm allowed to say it, apparently, and, and I'm going to. So, Ray, I appreciate the call, man. Oh, well, I guess Ray Ray's now gone. But I, what Ray said is, is exactly the direction I was headed in, which is this. That we, we see these, the you know, so many Americans, you we say we don't want these kind of candidates, but we keep electing them because they're the ones that end up, one, signing up to run, number two, that get the finances to run a campaign, and three, once they're in office, they become, we have Democrats and many Democrat lights. A lot of Republicans are not that conservative. They're just not. You talk to them, and they're not, and they're comfortable. They're very comfortable. You go in some, I've been in many offices, and when you go in their offices, if they have a lot of awards on the wall, you know they're a comfortable politician. They, you know, they get a thank you for the check, you know, from a local whatever, uh, whatever group that they were able to get government money and a handout to, and they get a thank you and an award for it. And that's not really something that's deserving of an award. It's kind of a thank you for giving me taxpayer money more often than not. And it is there isn't a perfect candidate. There, there, there are really good candidates. There are people that are able to motivate and get people excited. Trump is. When, when you hear me talk about these people that kiss the ring and go through the process, Trump is one of the most disruptive forces we've seen since Reagan. And that's this is – I'm not extolling his virtues. I'm telling you – because when I read this article about do we want a Mr. and Mrs. Smith in office – and it's, it's a great piece. You know, do we still want it to over at Real Clear Politics? And the name of the article is, let me get the name right. Do we, still, we still need Smith, but do we want him or her in office? And I think it misses the point. I read it, and I'll probably go through this. The real frustrating part is it, it's based on a guy named Pat Cadell, who was a, a Democrat and had polled basically to find out if Americans back in the 80s when Reagan was coming along – you know, did they want a Mr. Smith type character? And they, when they ran these polls and they got the numbers, it was like, yeah, Americans want that, and they do. And you know, they they want this kind of candidate's uncorruptible. They want a candidate that uh, you know is 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 really clear on what they stand for. They want those. They say they want those kind of people. You know, the voters' desire for a principled independent in the White House has grown since the '80s. That's what they want. But here's the mistake. When people look at Trump and Biden, a lot of these polls tend to conflagrate this and act like Trump is a typical Republican. He's not. When he came down that escalator in 2015, he wasn't. He wasn't then. He's not now. In many ways, he's a media force. In many ways, he's a, a now he's a political force. But in many ways, he's an industrial capitalist. And and he does have personality flaws. He's an imperfect person. I don't know anyone that's running that is perfect. I love the fact that people think they're better than him. Many of the people, the pundits and, and, and these people, think that they're somehow better than he is. I don't know what degree they're measuring him by Christian standards, if they're measuring him by whatever standards they're measuring him by. But let's look at the policies. And when you look at the, when you look at the things he says in the policies, he, and, and national debt grew under Trump. Not a great thing. Through the COVID era, a lot of giveaway money. Not a big thing. Not a not a great thing, as Neil Cavuto would say. But you look at the other policies. You look at what he did on, on trade. You look at what he did with NATO. You look at what he did on the border. You look at what he did uh, getting rid of government programs and cutting government waste. He did a lot of those things. 
And if I were to ask you, and I love these people that say, well, if Trump gets in power, he'll be a tyrant. He'll do all these things, these horrible things to people. And, and But when you test that, test the credulity of that argument against what's in office now, and then I have to ask, I don't care, Democrat or Republican, I'll ask you a couple questions, you answer them. You answer them to yourself. Or you call in and answer them. Which, which group in office is more likely to be interested in political prisoners and have them if they had unfettered power? It's not Trump. Which group would, would like to grow government Make agencies larger. Which group would like to use government to stop people that they disagree with? Which group would make more rules, make more regulations? Which group would like to to reduce property rights? Which group would like to take away more freedoms, more property rights? So just objectively speaking, which group of individuals, and I don't care if you, I know you Democrats are saying that's not the way you are, but you are. Look at what you've done. Look at the growth. Of government now, both teams have grown it, but who's more likely to grow things faster? Who's more likely to create rules that make it tougher? Look at the tax code. If you ever want to see the exact definition of a bureaucratic state gone or much, try to understand the tax code. It's almost impossible for ordinary Americans to do the taxes on their own. It should be simple. It shouldn't be that complicated. Which group, Republicans or Democrats in general, are more likely to value? citizenship and the role that a citizen plays in America today. Which group do you think values the border and thinks that the border matters to the national integrity? Which group do you think values property rights? Which group wants to lower taxes? Which group wants less government? These are these are pretty substantive things. And if Democrats and Republicans are being honest, they know their group is. But uh, Republicans fail when they give up those values. And Democrats are valued, and then try to cast aspersions to the other team. Good afternoon. Actually, not quite afternoon, is it? It's afternoon somewhere. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Not where we are, where we be. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for being a part of the program today. Chad Adams, a little bit probably more rapid speech than Vince, a little bit different intonation than your normal host, but uh, thankful that you are part of the show. And WBT, fantastic. News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT, just a fantastic group. Now, I, I mentioned the desire of the American people. I, th- I think that the media, and again, I, I have some friends that get really upset when you say, Chad, you say media. All you say media, media. But, but largely speaking, the media wants to put everybody in one of two camps. You're the Republican camp. You're the Democrat. You're Trump. You're MAGA. You're, you're not MAGA. You're you know, progressive. You, you look at things, you've got a more open mind, your climate change, blah, blah, blah. And it's not, it's not that way. Trump is not, there is no way you put Trump in a normal Republican role. There's just not, there's a, there's just not that person. So when you look at the Real Clear Politics piece by Carl Cannon, it, it's really interesting. It says, 40 years ago, a young pollster and political savant who helped Jimmy Carter navigate his way into the White House had an epiphany. The nation's two major political parties were not giving the American people the kind of candidates they really wanted. The pollster's name was Pat Cadell. And in 1984, he was kind of halfway right. Republicans certainly had a party leader with star quality in Ronald Reagan. Uh, and it was literally a former movie star who'd gone on to serve two terms as California's governor. And, uh, 
in one term, well, actually, ter- two terms Californians cover, one term as president of the United States and was on the verge of a 49-state uh, re-election thing. It was the Democrats who seemed rudderless, but Pat Cadell was still a Democrat back then, and, and so it made kind of sense. In the 1980 campaign, Cadell had a different reaction than most to Reagan's one-line rebuke of President Carter's force fear, fear in all force, ah, first four years in office. Are you better off today than you were four years ago, Reagan asked voters in a presidential debate. P- pollsters, puns, professionals gave this a, lot, a very high mark. In other words, Reagan said, it was a great line. We all remember it if you're old enough. Are you better off four years ago? Were you better off than you are now? But Cadell and the Democrats didn't get that line. They didn't like it. Um, they found it off-putting. He thought it appealed to American self-interest, not their patriotism. Pat Cadell preferred President John F. Kennedy's line, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. This sentiment, Cadell believed, was a nobler expression of national spirit. It's a great line. No Democrat today would say that line, would they? Can you imagine a Democrat today standing up and saying, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country, because we're 50-plus years into the welfare state. Nothing about the welfare state is asking people what they can do for their country. Nothing about it. None of the Democrat policies really ask you to do something for your country. It's about what can I give you. Packadell so did an in-depth polling designed to find how his party might field a candidate that looked like America's better angels. In a subsequent 150-page memo, Cadell conjured up the perfect candidate, at least on paper. He gave him a name, Senator Smith. That's the candidate name he gave him. The inspiration was the Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Capra 1939 Hollywood tale with Jimmy Stewart in it, a noble public servant who valued shared sacrifice, was utterly uncorruptible, who had gone into politics to serve others, not to stroke his ego or count out a party bosses or special interests. Senator Smith polled well and has ever since. Cadell died five years ago in January 2019. Well-regarded Democrat pollster John Delavolpe, who has doing the original surveys for real clear politics, repolled that same 100-question survey as part of the Smith Project. He found that what voters desire for a principled independent in the White House has gotten larger since 1980. 84% of Americans agreed with this statement. The country is run by an alliance of incumbent politicians, media pundits, lobbyists, and other powerful money interest groups for their own gain at the expense of the American people. 84% of your fellow Americans agree with that statement. And that's what I was talking about earlier. We know that it's broken. We know that that's true. The incumbent politicians are a problem. The media pundits, the lobbyists, the powerful money interest groups, that's the problem. How do you break this so big you don't break it? The American electorate is discontented with its choices, constrained by conventional wisdom into thinking there's not much they can do about it, but their hopes remain. But what can they do about it? 2024, the apparent choices between two presidential nominees whom majorities in their own parties did not want to run. That's not true. But somewhat true. The majorities in parties didn't want the guy in the other party to run. Incumbency has proven a more potent force than voters' aspirations. However, Biden' mere presence in the race discouraged any Democrat with a national following from even mentioning. Why? Because they're weenies. Because they're wimp weenies. The Democrats are a party of fealty. They are not courageous. They are the people that they kiss the ring more than any party out there today. They are the ones that will have you step aside and get in line and be on the plantation That is the Democrats' M.O. It has been, it is, it is in perpetuity. 
Donald Trump running as a de facto incumbent refuses to even debate his Republican opponents and is cruising to the nomination. However, the distinction not mentioned in the column is that Trump had 12 other candidates trying to knock him out. There were a dozen plus other candidates that wanted to knock Trump off that roost and challenged him. Did the Democrats have one person and Marianne Williamson's another, but not really anyone challenging him? His own party, the Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, parts of the Democrat Party coalition said, you shall obey. And the Democrats said, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. They sat down and did what daddy and mom told them to because they don't have the passion for the country. They have the passion for power. And the way to have power is to kiss the ring. So what can rank and file voters do about it? Progressives in some states will have the option of voting for Jill Stein on the Green Party ticket or Cornell West an eloquent left-wing college professor. Such challengers are usually dismissed as fringe, even though they're both serious folks. Robert Kennedy has a dynastic name. He's the namesake of the modern 1968 Democrat presidential candidate Bobby Kennedy and the nephew of Pat Cadell's boyhood hero, John F. Kennedy. But RFK lacks the charisma of his father and his uncle. He doesn't have the backing of his own family. It's burdened by statements he's made about vaccines that make him sound like a conspiracy nut. And if it wasn't enough baggage, he also suffers from spasmodic dysphoria, which makes him sound old and feeble, negating the great Kennedy talent for oratory. Yet with all that baggage, he's still uh, a a factor. In most five-way polls, he gets 14 to 15% of the vote. Democrats alarmed by those numbers, as they should be, especially since RFK is qualifying for the ballot in swing states like Arizona and Georgia. Democrats are particularly chagrined at No Labels, a centrist group that has spoiled to field a unity ticket. Democrat, a moderate Republican, independent, there's potential vehicle for Senator Smith, but who would that be? Names mentioned so far include Manchin, Kristen Sinema, Never Trump candidate Liz Cheney, or Larry Hogan, Mitt Romney, Condoleezza Rice, and Nikki Haley. None of those. Those are all repackaged. Those are all the same repackaged politicians. None of those are a field-clearing Americana. They're, they're not. Again, the funny thing about this column is it negates Trump, warts and all. He is not the insider. He may be dominating and transforming the Republican Party from an issue standpoint, but there's not another candidate that's like that. There are people that could be like that. Elon Musk can't run for president. He's, in a, he's probably the most famous African-American right now. But there are transformational people. There's, there's thousands of them. They just are sick of the system and they don't want to be a part of it. We'll get through the rest of this as we start the second hour. There's so much more to cover here. And it's interesting and it's important, especially as we head toward the primary here in North Carolina. So that being said, much, much more to go here on the Vince Coakley radio program. But we're going to kick things up at the top of the hour. Hour two, getting ready to be underway. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back, folks. Chad Adams, your guest host, in for Vince Coakley, who should be back bright and early Monday. 
Always a pleasure here at News Talk 1110-993. If you would like to get in on the conversation, they'll put you right through. You'll go right through to the front of the line, even in front of the host, what the host may desire to talk about. That's just the way I've always been in radio. 704-570-1110, 704-570-1110. And we were talking a little bit about, you know, there is this overwhelming desire to have these, these out of, not in the box candidates that run. They're rare. They, they do happen. I mean, Reagan was one of those. Trump is one of those. I like the way people try to box Trump in as if he's kind of an establishment guy and he's not. He's just, there's nothing about him that is. And and, and you, the other thing is that, me, that media secretly loves about him is they never know what he's going to say. They never know what he's going to say at any given time. It's why when he does speak, news, I, even the people that hate him will give him some some, some space. Now, people like Rachel Maddow and others that have lied to us about Russia conspiracy theories, everything. I love it when they cast aspersions at Trump and act like Trump's the only one that's told big ones. They tell them on a daily basis and and never go back and go, man, I really did say that kind of stuff, didn't I? Russia collusion, Russia collusion. But as we were talking about the, the article about the Americans' desire for a Mr. Smith or a Mrs. Smith or a Miss Smith, that, that, that we do want those. And I think many people... Do see Trump. This is what the polling I think is missing is a lot of people that are supporting Trump but are voting for him for that reason. They do see him as a disruptive force. They do see him as that revolutionary. They do see him as someone who wants to break the system and bring it down. They do see see in him the kind of passion for the nation that they feel themselves. This is what I'm telling you folks on the left. They're listening. If you're not getting that. So every time you tell somebody, oh, Trump's going to be a dictator, he said he's going to be a dictator on day one. We know it was a joke. You think it was serious or either you're projecting that it's serious. Weird. It's just weird that you guys don't see that. I don't know if it's because you live in a box or, or you're very fragile or I don't know. I don't know. Something happened to you when you were a kid, but you can't make the distinction. There's nothing dictatorial about him enough. There was nothing dictatorial about his policies. There was nothing. There was none of that Mussolini Hitler stuff that you guys like to throw at him. None of that happened. We 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 now have almost four years of Biden and four years of Trump. We know the distinctions. The American public see it. He's still more Mr. Smith. Mr. Smith with Stormy Daniels past, but Mr. Smith. So when they were looking, they they wanted to try this column. Tries to make current candidates they don't they don't accept that trump's the person that is the mr smith because i guess because he's wealthy and because he made a lot of money he doesn't need the money he doesn't need the power he had plenty of power haley the column says is the most recent and most intriguing addition to the list of potential candidates out there but all these candidates have baggage most notably the perception they are repackaged washington establishment partisans masquerading as something different and we're talking about Larry Hogan, Mitt Romney, Condoleezza Rice, Nikki Haley, Kristen Cinema, Joe Manchin, they're all part of that. A show in Cooperman research poll shows that clearly Haley arguably avoids the Washington, D.C. stain, but her drawbacks may be the most disqualifying. A majority of states have some form of sore loser law in the books, prohibitions against running twice in the same year for the same office that may keep her off the November ballot. And true, so otherwise everybody would do it, wouldn't they? They'd sign up to run, they'd lose, and then they'd just sign up to run for, for the same office. Imagine if every person who loses a Republican or Democrat primary signs up to run as an independent the next day. It's not clear that recycled politicians are what America's disillusioned by the two dominant parties are looking for, which is why some pundits have floated the names such as Dwayne The Rock Johnson or Matthew McConaughey. 
that impulse is not as fanciful as it sounds, judging by the latest iteration of We Need Smith, done in late January by Sean Cooperman and made available for Real Clear Politics. Here's the survey. Here's what it shows. In a mock three-way trial heat, Candidate Smith, remember, we're talking about a perfect candidate. But that's what the poll basically said. There's this perfect candidate that has no baggage, that that loves America and, and gets us, and that's the perfect candidate. It's uncorruptible, is there to serve. Candidate Smith trails Trump 36%, trails Biden 32%, but at 19%, he or she tallies more than Romney or Manchin put together. That 19% figure, if it held up, would put Smith on the debate stage. However, according to the threshold set by the commission, Uh, on presidential debates. The new poll also suggests that Candidate Smith would benefit from a national exposure because his or her favorable rating is twice as high as Trump or Biden. But again, the favorable rating is because people wouldn't know them. We generally like people that we don't know. That's the way we Americans are. We We don't immediately hate somebody. That would make us, what, oh, racist, which is what the left says we all are, but we're not. We generally like people. So you give us reason not to. And we'll find the littlest reasons to not like someone. And so Candidate Smith would instantly become unlikable from some point, from some group. So why does Candidate Smith do better in the head-to-head, the likely meaning one up, one against Trump, one against Biden? The likely reason is that the Democrat Party GOP duopoly still has a firm grip on the American imagination. What they think is politically possible. Here's the proof. When shown this statement, voting for an independent candidate is wasting my vote, 58% of the people in the poll agreed. Although 60% of respondents said they would consider belonging to a third party, it came with a key qualification. The question was asked this way. I am so dissatisfied with Democrats and Republicans that I would join a third party if I had a chance at success. Considering that the last line, last time a third party candidate won the presidency was 1860, that language, if it had a chance of success, is a significant caveat. Remember, Republican Party in 1860 was a third party. So those are the kind of things that uh, that they just miss about candidate Trump. They they miss what what he really is. Uh, Larry, welcome to the show. How the heck are you today? And appreciate you calling in. Okay, Chad. God bless you. It's good to hear you. Uh, you're always better than, than the normal person that's on at the time you're there. Um, and I appreciate what you're talking about today. President Trump, yeah, I don't like some of the things he says, that sort of thing. Um, and I wish he'd make a little bit better choices on endorsements and appointments, you know. But just looking at what he did for this country while he was president, you know, I don't think there's any other person out there I would vote for as long as he's running. There's just no way until he gets his second term. It's a shame we have to elect him three times for him to serve twice. But uh, that's what we're facing. And, you know, you know, I'm running for county commissioner in, in Cabarrus County and was 11 years in the state house. And I went through this the whole time, and it's all happening again, same people. Uh, it's just a shame. They're doing it to Trump. They're doing it to me. They're doing it to some of my other friends who are running around here. And uh, it's just a shame when you can't run on your own record, so you lie about the other person. And that's what they're doing. And I've always said that I love Trump, can't help but like him, because except for the bad language and the money, he's a lot like me. You know, um, you see something that's not right, you go after it. That's what I've always done for the good of the people. And, um, you know, uh, Alan Mashburn last night at an event said that I'm a pit bull. <laughs> and I kind of am. When it comes to you're you're doing bad things to our people, 
I want it to stop. And if I have to get in there and be part of stopping it, it may not be what I had planned for myself. It may not be what I want because I didn't intend to run for county commissioner. I got talked into it. Um, but if they think they need me to help stop what's being done to the people, hey, that's what I'm in the race for. Well, Representative Pittman, I appreciate you calling in today, man. I, I appreciate you listening, and, and thank you always for the kind words, okay? I can't hear you. Oh, I said thank you for calling in today. Thank you for being a part of the show, okay? All right. God bless you, sir. You know I love you. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Now, uh, what uh, Representative Pittman, you know, a lot of his sentiments, I, I think here's the here's the reality. If, if there was a – let's just – and I don't wish this on anyone ever, even my worst political enemies elsewhere – uh, if there was a horrific train accident and there were there were people in trauma, there were people, you wouldn't care if you were in that accident. You wouldn't care what the past necessarily was of the people running in to rescue these people. If their intentions were to save the lives of the people in that train wreck, get them to, to safety, you know, stabilize those that are injured and, and, and get the survivors out, you don't care. It's kind of like there are no atheists in foxholes. It's one of those things. Many people, this is what you on the left don't understand about Trump is a lot of people see this country as inexorably broken. They look at the national debt. They look at the border. They look at Afghanistan. They look at issue after issue. They look at binomics. They see the country as a bit of a train wreck. And it is. And so when they look at a Donald Trump, they don't care about the things he has said. They don't care about the the, the, the kind of craziness of his life going through reshaping the New York skyline. That doesn't concern them saving the country does and they think he can do it they think he can but I, i've run a little long appreciate the phone call. so to kind of give you an example i mean governor cooper is the embodiment of the kind of stuff suit politician i don't mean that in a mean way he just is he can't help it um he literally posted, you know, private school vouchers, loot our public schools. Instead, let's pay our public school teachers like the professionals they are. That, that's just kind of the he, – it's not him. It's being put up there as if it's him. It's not. And it's just it, – it does no such thing. Private school vouchers, that, that's, that's money that follows a kid, allows a child the opportunity to probably go to private school they wouldn't go to. And there's nothing to do with paying teachers less. I mean – if the kids are choosing, so Governor Cooper literally doesn't want kids to have a choice to go to a different school. He doesn't want them to have anything but the government-run monopolistic school. That's that's all he wants. And so he wants to pay people more to the school system that kids are leaving. Hmm. Uh, just weird. And, and it, I don't I don't understand him. So, I mean, I do understand it. it, it it's the same thing. I've seen it my whole life where you have a poly- – anybody could be Governor Cooper. He is – he's not a Mr. and Mrs. Smith. It's uh, Mr. Democrat, and it's going to be a poll. If you watch Josh Stein's, all that's going to happen is that Josh Stein's numbers – or excuse me, what Josh Stein says is going to be what Governor Cooper says. It'll be a poll-tested thing. Right now, the, the biggest problem Josh Stein has is you don't feel – he doesn't feel like you. he can relate to you. Because he's not from North Carolina, you know he's a Dartmouth Harvard guy. He's 
you know, went to Zimbabwe to teach English for a while. Nothing wrong with any of those. Well, nothing wrong with them. But it's very difficult for him to – he went to Chapel Hill, which is a very different place to be in North Carolina. He's not relatable. So they're polling, polling, polling to say, what does Josh need to say to show he's one of you? Look, here's me eating ribs at a restaurant in Nashville. Look, here's me petting a cow, you know, somewhere in North Carolina. Hey, here's me walking in a field. Here's me being one of you. Because he just isn't. He just isn't. He was an elitist. He was raised elite leftist. Um, it's the plantation mentality that the left has that, that as Biden said, if you ain't black, you ain't don't know me, stuff like that. It's just this whole as if voters belong to the Democrats. Now, another one that, that's very problematic for Democrats, there's a guy named Mark Elias. Mark Elias of Hillary Clinton fame. He's done a lot of work for Democrats here. He, he detests any kind of voter ID laws. He fights against them everywhere. He's an ultra lefty hack that's out there. Uh, so here's the interesting thing. He just posted this, I don't know, about uh, last night. So he posted last night about 6.30. And here's what he wrote. Now, Mark Elias has done a lot of work with Governor Cooper and Josh Stein and the Democrats of North Carolina. But here's and – he, and he says this. He would never say it in North Carolina, but this is his belief system, and this is the belief of many Democrats. Breaking. Now, he says this with pride. Federal court strikes down Arizona over suppression law that requires proof of citizenship to vote. Now, I want you to let that sink in. Seven million undocumented people that are not citizens of this country have crossed into the border in the past three years. Mark Elias, Democrat hack that's worked with Governor Cooper and Josh Stein, says this is good news. Congratulations to the team, our clients, and the citizens of Arizona, that's ironic he says citizens, because he really doesn't care whether you're a citizen or not. He literally fought on the side that says that you have to prove you're a citizen to vote. In a federal election, you, he's trying to say it doesn't matter. If you're a resident, you would have the right to vote. Now, think about adding 7 million residents to any given all across locations in the U.S., Governor Cooper, by the way, I put the question up, since it's Mark Elias and since they have worked for him, do Governor Cooper, does Josh Stein, do they agree with us? We know that we know, for instance, that Mark Robinson, Dale Falwell, and Bill Graham, all three of them, I know for a fact, they disagree with that statement. I know that they want citizens to vote. I know they're in favor of photo ID. It's not discriminatory. Anybody can get one. You have to have some kind of photo ID to have a bank statement to conduct anything in this country even to attend the NAACP dinner, you had to have a photo ID in North Carolina. So the left knows that photo ID is, is real. You can get them for free. But Mark Elias, someone who's worked very closely with the Democrats, with Roy Cooper, with Josh Stein, would Josh Stein and would Roy Cooper go on the record saying they agree that not being a citizen is okay to vote? They won't. And our intrepid media, WRAL, at Charlotte Observer, at News Observer, they will not go ask the governor or Josh Stein that because it would make them look bad. Just like they won't ask them, Governor Cooper or Josh Stein, about the situation at the southern border. They won't. They'll quote them about schools. They give them the softest of questions. What colors the sky in your world? How are you kids? What do you think of the Republicans? What do you think of North Carolina's economy? These are softball questions that a sixth grader could answer. You like your mom? Love my mom. Miss my mom. 
This is the kind of when you see interviews, it's so funny. A great Saturday Night Live skit would be to have a Republican and Democrat, and they have them both on stage, and they ask them questions. And they're like, to the Democrat running for president. What do you think of the the, the, the last James Bond movie? What do you think of that? And then they go to the Republicans and say, what's the quadratic formula, and how would it apply to quantum mechanics? Can you kind of give us that answer? And see, the Democrat answered the question the Republican did. That's the kind of Saturday Night Live skit you'd love to see in it, because they don't treat them the same. They don't get the same questions. They never have, and they never will, uh, because our media has that. Bias. And it, again, it sounds like an excuse, doesn't it? That means Republicans have to fight harder to get around that bias. So they do have Fox is somewhat friendly, but there's nearly not. There's Newsmax, and but those. But then you get to the Blaze, you get to the the more right leaning. But they're not NBC, ABC, CBS. Those three. I mean, one of them got rid of Catherine Herridge. Her, she's one of the the finest reporters out there and they got rid of her now they got a judge telling her to turn over her sources they're charging her eight hundred dollars a day because she won't turn over an anonymous source which no journalist should so i'm saying the democrats use the political process working with media to crush people to crush people they disagree with and 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 it's hard to to believe that many democrats don't see that they don't see because they think it's all equal they say it's like, well, show me the Republicans that are putting people in jail for their, for their beliefs. Show me, show me where there are reporters that are being fired because they're conservative, about because they're liberals, and are being forced into jail or given massive fines for not turning over their sources. You, you can't. And that's one of the, uh, one of the problems, one of many that we have. There's much more to go. I'll, I'll definitely want to, want to get to another. There's the the Democrats literally invented the concept of lawfare. And it's not going the way they wanted it to. We will talk about that. And, and we will also get to a little bit about the the integrity problem that medical establishments are going through on the transgender issue. We'll talk about that. Much more to go. And your phone calls. And maybe a little Tom Brady. We might throw that in there. Much more to go here on the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Chad Adams, your guest host. We'll be right back after this. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Rolling along. Chad Adams, your guest host on the Vince Coakley radio program. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Uh, just an amazing group. I say that if you if you are a listener of me as a host, a guest host on the various programs, you hear me say that. Now, having done a lot of work on a variety of stations across the state, I can tell you that just a top-notch uh, group of folks here in, in virtually every department. So it's an honor, pleasure always. Now, um, something – two things I wanted to get to. So the Mark Elias thing, it's, it's amazing that, that Democrats – don't tend to stand up. They, they, it's like one group can say something and, and they, they love Mark Elias. And then he goes out to Arizona and says something that's completely would not sell here. And they just act like they don't know. And I've had news directors tell me, I said, why don't you ask Democrats the same questions you ask Republicans? When, when Trump would say something to McCrory, they would run to McCrory. What do you think about this? And then, but when Democrats say something moonback crazy, they don't run back to Cooper and never ask him anything. Hey, Cooper, what'd you think about 
uh, Biden not knowing where he was on stage? Won't ask that question. Hey, Cooper, uh, you know Biden referred to Deb Butler. I'm not sorry, not Deb Butler, a different one. Uh, Deborah Ross, a congresswoman from Raleigh, when he was in Raleigh, and said, oh, I just took a photograph with her. She wasn't there. She was in D.C. Governor Cooper, does this concern you? Nope, you'll never hear that. They play so nice. They play so nice. So this one is by David Harsanyi over at The Federalist. And and it's true. It's, it's about, so Democrats thought, we've got Trump. It's like the 852nd time they've got, they got him. We got him. We used every, we used every resource. We've used the government to go after him. We used our AG office in New York to go after him. We've used the AG office down in, in a district attorney office down in, in, in Fulton County. We're going to get it. We're going to use everything. We're going to get our activists out there and we're going to prosecute, persecute, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pin the tail on the Trump, and we're gonna put him away. Nine thousand charges, but that's called lawfare. It's a great phrase I've heard. It's very apropos of what's happening right now. Uh, I'm waiting to see how popular lawfare becomes because it's it's really I've never seen it uh, used in the way it's being used now. And Republicans take note up in New York and other places. Take note the, the Democrats play for keeps, the, trying to get Trump off the bat. Have you ever heard? of a group of politicians trying to keep someone off the ballot. If he's so what that tells you, here's what here's what all of the efforts to get Trump off the ballot tell you. The Democrats don't like you having that option. They don't want the election to be decided by you. They want to be able to decide who you can vote. They want a Republican that they approve of. And I'm not this is not partisanship here. This is not propagandizing. This is a fact. These various folks that are trying to remove Trump from the ballot, maybe it's four, maybe it's a judge, maybe it's a clerk of court, maybe it's something. They want Trump off the ballot because they don't want you, they don't want you, the ignorant public, to have the ability to vote for someone they don't approve of. Now, if it was, do you think they would do this with Nikki Haley? No, they wouldn't try to remove her because she's a Republican that they can get along with. They they are terrified of someone who wants to tear across everything and destroy political power and give the power back to the people. And again, I, I'm, I'm making Trump sound out to be heroic. He's not. He's just someone who challenges them. On Monday, special counsel Jack Smith requested the Supreme Court take up the question of presidential immunity. And remember, by the way, Biden had classified documents and told told the, the people investigating him, uh, the Her report, that uh, he was showing his ghostwriter. He said, I shouldn't show you this, but I'm showing you that I shouldn't even have these documents. But they said he was too old to be feeble. It's weird. On Monday, special counsel Jack Smith requested the Supreme Court take up the question of presidential immunity in the election interference case against former President Trump. It only took a few hours for the court to grant that request. Now, you might be under the impression that such a quick result would greatly please the Democrats, but there's a major hitch. It seems that the justice, the justices forgot to ask Rachel Maddow to plan their schedules. Though the court expedited the case, arguments won't be heard until April, with a decision likely to come in late June, making it unlikely, though not impossible, that there will be a trial before the 2024 election. (gasps) Oh, the Democrats didn't get what they wanted. They're upset. With this news, scores of left-wing pundits accused the justices of conspiring to help Trump win the election. In other words, the justices didn't do what they wanted them to, thus they they need to attack them. 
By granting Smith's request, Chris Hayes complained it was a clear, unmistakable sign from the MAGA majority of the Trump-created court that they are with him, that they are going to use their power to make sure that he does not face trial in an election year for attempting to end American democracy. Chris Hayes is an absolute elevator-doesn't-go-to-the-top-floor kind of guy. That's an ignorant statement. Because 50 years of liberal courts, they would never have said. I don't remember Republicans saying that kind of moonbat crazy stuff. Sometimes I wonder if Hayes and the others who happily back to the column, who watch constitutional protections and procedures dismantled when it suits their partisan needs, know they are engaged in a mass act of projection. Consider that Hayes demands SCOTUS render a judgment on a historic immunity case on a schedule that comports with the partisan objective of Democrats, namely putting Trump in front of a judge at the height of a presidential campaign. Or, in other words, Hayes wants the court to do the very thing he contends is corrupt for the court to do. Notice as well that a MAGA majority court can only be legitimate if it rules in favor of the left. Remember, keep that in mind. Only when you agree with the left will they like you or tolerate you. They don't tolerate discord. They don't tolerate debate. They don't. I I was on a show one time. This is funny. I was doing statewide news for Spectrum. And I mentioned that it took longer. It took longer for the Obamacare website to be set up than it did to defeat Nazi Germany. I was just making a compare and contrast of government bureaucracy and how bad it is versus a clear and concise desire for the country to win at something. The person I was up against in that debate spent the next 48 hours personally attacking me relentlessly on social media, personally, because she didn't have an answer. She didn't have an answer. So rather than debate me on the merits of what I said, attacked me personally for for two days, a litany of, she couldn't believe, she was so embarrassed. But that's, I'm used to that. Like every institution, the contemporary left's consequentialist outlook demands partisan outcomes. By Trump created, of course, Hayes means the duly elected president nominated justices and then the duly elected Senate confirmed them precisely by the Constitution. The self-styled, self-styled guardians of democracy have spent years delegitimizing members of the court with a slew of smears and ginned up non-controversy. Beats debating them. While rejecting SCOTUS as a corrupt institution in the norm, is the norm for the left. Biden's DOJ, run by political appointees, is to attack the very edifice of democracy. Still, it should not go unnoticed that the January 6th riots occurred in early 21, which is to say over three years ago. You should be highly skeptical that Donald Trump's prosecution had landed perfectly to coincide with the election, thus promising maximum political impact. There's more to this. But the lawfare stuff just isn't going the way. The one in New York and nothing the outrageous sentence in New York, so much more. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. By the way, I don't want the Democrats to be destroyed. You know, I, I would never use the kind of violent rhetoric that the left likes to use. Professor Michael Mann, who is, is probably the father of many ways, the leading climate scientist, uh, you know, leader of the climate cult of doom, uh, he posted yesterday, a simple painful truth is now unavoidable for the U.S. and Western democracy to survive. The GOP must be destroyed. Let that motivate you to not only only vote them out, 
but to do everything you can to make sure others do as well. To destroy. To that that's the way because he doesn't like debate. Democrats don't like to debate their issue. They they would lose. Again, if you took them into an abortion clinic and five month old fetuses were being ripped, they don't want to be there in that room. They don't want to see that. They want to support it. They don't want to be a part of it. They don't want to go down to the southern border and see millions of people streaming across. They don't want to see the consequences of their policies. They want you to just vote. Governor Cooper's unbelievable support of public schools and is hilarious because he sent his own kids to private school. What? But he did. Doc, go check it out. You don't believe me? Go check it out. It's the it's the rampant hypocrisy of of the left to and to destroy. That's what they're doing with Donald Trump. And this is the part they don't realize. They don't realize that. By doing this, they're actually emboldening a guy like Donald Trump because everything he said that you would do to him, you have tried to do to him. When you validate an accusation, other people believe it. They're out to get him. Yes, they are. When he said it in the first couple of years, ah. but after conspiracy after conspiracy thing, was, was you realize that everything that they did to him, the sham impeachment hearings, everything, you realize... He wasn't that crazy. They were out to get him. So that being said, um, uh, two issues I want to get to. One fun, the other not so much. And this is from AmericanMind.org. And this has to do with an issue that I can't believe. I think 100 years, maybe even 50 years from now, we will look back at this transgender madness and we we will mock ourselves. We will mock the fact that this issue was one that we had to deal with in a... And I think the reason it grew is because so many people kind of didn't think it would rise. And it said the trans problem is a collective action problem for doctors and healthcare workers. Gender affirming care has become an enormous and high stakes purity test. This is a beautiful line. The next one just beautifully written. The apparent consensus among medical establishmentarianism, uh, excuse me, establishmentarians is actually a fiction that relies on participants to outsource their own morality and submit to mid-level forced teaming, but recent events have shown that this facade may be starting to crack. The famous Milgram experiment in which participants were commanded by a supposed expert to give people what they thought were a fatal shock to a test subject revealed the extent to which most people will hand over their ethical autonomy to authorities. In other words, in this experiment, you put someone in a room, you ask them questions. They give you the right answer, you go to the next question. If they give you the wrong answer, you administer a small shock. As this experiment proceeds, these are horrible human experiments, by the way, but they were done. And and you start they start giving they start giving progressive what they think are progressively more uh, lethal electric shocks. But they, there's people in lab coats that are telling them it's okay, just keep doing it. And they, it was really done as a way to look back at the, the Nazis' eradication of Jews to say, how did people push that button and exterminate people? Well, it's because someone in authority said it was okay to do so, and they did. They abandoned their morality, they abandoned their humanity, and they just killed people. And so in those electric shock therapy, people said, no, they won't, because people's humanity would stand up and stop you from shocking someone to what you thought was to death. And when you watch the films of these, the psychological damage being done to the person pushing the button is astounding, but they do. And when the person on the other side stops answering questions, you don't know if they're alive or dead, they still push the button to what they think is someone who may be incapacitated. And that's where we find ourselves. A lot of healthcare people on this transgender issue are doing things that they know are immoral and and, and, and unethical, but they've been shamed into doing. For Washington State Therapist Tamara Pitts Creek, 
uh, who worked for the Multicare Health System Pediatric Hospital, the affirm or else work environment became untenable. Amber Rolf, a therapist who oversees Multicare's gender programs where she worked, served as her teacher in a real-life reenactment of that experiment. Pietsky responded to her colleague's requirement that she approve highly questionable requests for gender medicine. My professional judgment tells me that my patient's problems did not arise because of gender and will not be resolved through hormone therapy. This is happening again and again. The pressure to conform to things that the medical personnel know are not good and are not right. It's happening again. Perhaps more tellingly, at the level of popular culture, Dr. Phil recently told Joe Rogan that schools are overstepping their professional roles by practicing medical diagnosis and shepherding kids to clinics. Those with a wide reach are beginning to embody dissent and are willing to speak up alongside the common person against this zero-sum prisoner's dilemma. Instead of acting from individualized self-interest, people are beginning to speak up together against illegitimate authority. This is the only way that we'll start breaking that spell. Again, would Roy Cooper... Would Josh Stein love to attend the gender-affirming surgery that that disfigures and destroys a teenager's life? No, they would. They, they support it, but they wouldn't want to be there, would they? Democrats don't want to be where their actions take place. They don't want to be in the presence of the result of their policies. Because it's good. It sounds good to, sound on, to stand out and say, I'm all for everything, all the time and all places at once. It's another to live in the reality of what it's done. I don't think Democrats who, who approved of the welfare state would, would like to see what it's become today, where it's become dependency and very un-American in many ways. We haven't helped people. We've helped them become less able to be citizens, not more so. And, and that's just the, the real shameful part of things, is that we've emboldened people to become less. And, and the result of that, you see these policies in, in cities where people just break in, where you have to be uh, have to have someone with you when you shop in stores in some of these inner cities. They're, they're, we're not better. We're not better citizens when you live in a town that's like that. Your country doesn't – if it doesn't matter, you defend the border. And what about the law enforcement policies in your cities and towns? Because actions should have consequences. And what's happening is good actions – are having no consequences. Bad actions have no consequences. And so good dies. And, and you, you start living in this bizarre prison-like world. Now, a little bit of good news we'll end it with. Tom Brady, you heard it in the previous show. I saw it on the news this morning. But he beats his NFL combined 40-yard dash time. So he's 24 years later, and he runs faster at 46 than he did in his 20s. In a workout video for No Bull posted on his X account, Brady discussed how he ran a 5.28 second dash before he was selected in the sixth round by the Patriots, and he would give it his best to beat that mark. It's not the true measure of a man. Let me just set that straight, Brady said as he drove to his workout. I'll give 100% chance of effort, he later added before the run. Before embarking on the sprint, the former signal caller chatted on the phone with billionaire St. John's alumnus Mike Rapol, who purchased a controlling stake at the number of the No Bull last summer. Do you actually even want to do this, they asked him. I mean, I understand you haven't been an athlete in the year. He says, I need to do it. And Brady did break the mark. He sprinted at a 5.18 on one stopwatch and a 5.12 on another. 24 years later, redemption is spelled T-O-M. Now, I'm not the hugest Brady fan, but you got to give the guys due. Hey, I'd like, you know what? I'd love to go and test. I'd like to try to beat. I was a sprinter in high school. 
and, and in college, not didn't compete in college. But I, so I'm terrible at 5Ks and, and the long run, just terrible. I can train for them, but I'm just, I'm a sprinter, not a long distance runner. I don't know why people do it. I'd rather, I don't know, watch trees grow, but I do run, try to. I'd love to try to beat, I know I couldn't beat my early 20s record, but I'm a little bit older than Brady at this point. Just a, a, a tad bit older than Brady, but I'm amazed. He so he beats something for. Tw- I don't know if I could. Be- I'd love to try to see if I could beat. If I could, I would record myself and put it on Twitter. I would absolutely put. You know, here's my mark. I ran it in five. I don't know, five seconds. I, I and I know I, I could beat it in my twenties because Brady wasn't that fast. He's just not that fast. So it wouldn't be saying a lot. I'd like to know how fast I could do it in my fifties. Because you still in your mind. Here's the fun thing: as you get older, and all of you know this, in your mind. You still feel, and my uncle told me this once, one of my uncles, said, I still feel like I could do any of the things I could do before. I know I can't, but I feel like I could. And 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 and, and R.I.P. to Toby Keith, but that song where he wrote, I'm not as good as I once was, but as good once as I ever was, that's that's the one saving grace of getting older for most folks, is I can be just about as good as I was at least once. And there's that wonder. That's that's great. And, and the great thing about talk radio is you can be good for a long time, or or you can at least think you're good. But but not like the physical stuff, man. Now when I when I do a, a grueling workout or something, I feel like you know I feel young when I'm doing it. I'm in my twenties, but then the next day I feel twice as old as the guy who did the <laughs> workout the day before. It just sucks. Folks, appreciate you being a part of the radio broadcast today. You'll be uh, Ben Scott will be back on Monday. Chad Adams, your guest host. Always a pleasure. Stay tuned. My good friend Pete Callender coming up next, and then Winterbull after that. As always, News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. That's where to keep your dial. Have a great day, folks.